We are reading today from John chapter 14, uh, verses 1 to 21. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to a place to prepare for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, so that be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father." And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is, is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Albus, do you really think it's safe leaving him with these people? I've watched them all day. They're the worst sort of muggles imaginable. They really are. The only family he has. This boy will be famous. There won't be a child in our world who doesn't know his name. Exactly. He's far better off growing up away from all of that. Until he is ready. not really goodbye after all.
the beginning of the Harry Potter story. There's the boy whose destiny it is to change the world. But right at the beginning of the story, what happens? He's left as a baby, abandoned on a doorstep, all by himself, left to the horrible Dursleys. Even Hagrid, the big giant, is upset about it. And in our reading just now that Bonnie so helpfully read, the disciples are upset because they are being abandoned. Can you see in verse 1, it shows that they were deeply troubled in heart. And why are they troubled? Well, because Jesus has just said he's leaving. Imagine how that would have felt for Jesus' disciples. These are Jesus' followers, people who would have left everything, their families, their works, their hometowns, to follow him. And actually, it was going really well. Jesus was doing amazing signs, and they'd even just come into the capital, Jerusalem, with Jesus being hailed as the king. They were on the brink of something big, and then suddenly... It's all come crashing down because Jesus has told them he's leaving. He's abandoning them, and the disciples must have been feeling pretty upset. Over the last few weeks, we've been thinking about the difference Jesus makes to our lives. We've been looking at different episodes from John's Gospel, and this week, we see the difference that Jesus can make to our lives when we feel abandoned and fearful, like that little Harry Potter baby. So why don't I pray for us as we get into God's word. Our Father, we thank you that you speak to us today through your word in the Bible. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that comes alongside and shows us what you're saying to us. So whether these things are new to us or we've heard this many times before, Please, will you show us Jesus and the difference that he makes? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I wonder if we have ever felt a little bit like that boy abandoned on the doorstep. Whether we felt vulnerable and alone. Maybe someone important to us has left us behind. Maybe we're facing an uncertain future and we think, I wish they were here. Where are you? Am I going to have to face this alone? Am I being abandoned? What about when that person who we feel like isn't there for us is Jesus? If we're following Jesus as Christians, we want to, to live for him, but sometimes it feels like he's just not there for us. Maybe we know in theory God is with us, but it, it doesn't feel like that when we're trying to, to obey Jesus, but sin is so tempting and we just give in. Maybe it doesn't feel like it when we've been praying for such a long time and nothing seems to be changing. Maybe it doesn't feel like Jesus is with us when I've been trying to share something of the message of Jesus and no one seems to be listening. We think, am I just doing this on my own, Jesus? Jesus, have you abandoned me? It can be quite troubling. 
Well, think about the Harry Potter scene again, um, because actually that child left there on the doorstep was incredibly vulnerable, alone, defenseless, abandoned. But where is the note of hope in that little clip from Dumbledore? What does he say to Hagrid? He says, there, there, Hagrid. It's not goodbye after all. And in a sense, you might summarize our passage in that way. Jesus says, there, there. Verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Verse 18, I will not leave you. It's not goodbye after all. So when we're feeling like Jesus might have abandoned us, today I've got four reasons for us. If we can get those on, on the screen there. Four reasons to remember Jesus has not abandoned us. We belong in the family home. We've got the key in Jesus. We've got the family spirit. We're in the family business. So we'll quickly go through each of those. And we'll see that Jesus has not left us. He couldn't be any closer. So first, we belong in the family home. Now, I don't know if anyone has ever been to Blenheim Palace. Iona and I went uh, last summer, and we had a great day out. It is an amazing uh, place just outside of Woodstock. Uh, There's gardens, there's grand halls, spectacular sights. Um, What really surprised me is when somebody told me it's a family home. People still live there. I think it's some posh family. I think Winston Churchill was actually born there, believe it or not. Um, It is a huge and spectacular house. There are 187 rooms inside. So, um, I mean, I was going to say, I don't know what they do at Christmas time. Usually my brothers and I had to share a room growing up, but um, they must have space for a lot of people. They must need a lot of food. Well, Jesus is talking about a big house too. And he's talking about his father's house. Verse two, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be with me where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. What is this place that Jesus is talking about? Well, he's talking about heaven. Jesus says there is a place in God the Father's house in heaven for anyone who believes in Jesus, who follows him. And Jesus' home, his family home, isn't just any old place. It's not a travel lodge or a bunk bed in a hostel. It's not the kind of house that we've got to to move to for a few months and then we get moved on to another place by the council. No, Jesus has a place for us to belong for good. Jesus has even prepared our room. Did you see that? Last week, Andy showed us that Jesus was the best servant imaginable. He washed the disciples' feet. Well, imagine Jesus preparing our rooms, fluffing up the pillows, getting the music on, polishing the silver, checking the foods done. What is heaven like? Well, the book of Revelation describes heaven as an amazing feast, a beautiful concert, a pain-free paradise, endless joy. That is the family home where we belong if we believe in Jesus. I mean, it would make a Blenheim Palace banquet look like a McDonald's at a service station. And actually, the best thing of all, though, is not all the stuff about what it's going to be like. Did you see the detail Jesus gives? You will be with me where I am. 
It's not just like visiting Blenheim like a tourist. It's like coming in to be part of the family and being there with the head of the family. Jesus, he'll be the center. Quality time with him, worshiping time with him. That's where we belong forever. Now, our society doesn't talk a lot about death. Maybe we cover up death with phrases like, um, they've gone to a better place. And sadly, when people say that, they've gone to a better place, they don't really know what they're talking about a lot of the time. But as Christians, we can say that with confidence, that we are going to a better place after we die. That's where we're heading. That's where we belong. That's where we belong. I wonder if one of the reasons why death's quite scary for people is because it's kind of like the ultimate abandonment. You die alone. It's it's a, a lonely, sad thing. The rest of life moves on, and we have that phrase, "You're left for dead." But what's amazing is Jesus gives a promise. If we trust in Him, there is a better place for us to be. We belong in the Father's house. We are not being abandoned. We're not being left for dead. We belong in the family home of heaven. That's the first thing. The second thing, Jesus isn't abandoning us because we've got the key to let us in. We've got the key to let us in in Jesus. It's nice to hear that there is a heaven, and um, if that's new to you, that's good news. But you might think, well, how do we get there? How are we going to get to heaven? Um, Some people think religion is the answer to getting to heaven. Now you can put up this picture. This is what kind of school felt like to me on on the next slide. There are all these different religions. And you think, is is Hinduism the way to heaven? Or Islam or or Taoism? I don't even know what all those symbols uh, mean up there. Maybe it's just about what I do, doing more good things than bad things, and that will get me into heaven. It is quite confusing. Is it like every religion's like a different path up the same mountain? We all get there in the end. It is confusing. I think Thomas is a bit confused. That's reassuring, isn't it, if Jesus' disciples were confused? Um, Look at verse 5. Thomas says, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And what does Jesus say? Verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, Thomas, mate, it's not complicated. How do you get to heaven? Me. Look no further. I am the key to let you in. Thanks, Al. You can't get in without me. It's so annoying. I sometimes go out of the house and I realize I've left my keys at home. And then I know that whenever I get back, I'm going to have to awkwardly wait around by the front door in case um, Iona's in or Maybe I have to get my neighbor to get out his spare key. It's annoying if we don't have our key, because a key is the only way into the house. And Jesus is the key to get into heaven. Jesus says that he is the way to God. Do we remember um, what Jonathan was saying a few weeks back about the name I am? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. This I am is God's personal name in the Bible, the Yahweh name. And Jesus is claiming to be God himself, to be the way to God, the way to heaven. Look at verse 7. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. 
I am so much the way to the Father, Jesus says, to see me is to see God. But poor old Philip, he's still confused. Maybe we're still confused. So he says, look, just show us the Father. Show us God. That'll be enough. And Jesus just, he's very patient. He repeats his point, verse 9. Don't you know me, Philip? After such, after, after I've been with you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father is in me? Jesus says, look at me. There's only one way to know God. It is a one-way street. It's true or false. It's life or death. There's only one key that gets us in to the family home. Now, I wonder what we make of that. Um, it's great if, if you're visiting today, you're super welcome. And, and maybe some people who visit St. Ebbs uh, are usually part of another kind of uh, religious uh, order of some, uh, some shape. I had some Turkish friends who used to come along, really uh, good guys. They were practicing Muslims, but they came to St. Ebbs to explore the Christian faith. Um, they're really good guys. I, I've got a lot of time for them. Um, but over a few weeks at St. Ebbs, they began to realize that Christianity and Islam weren't the same thing. One of my friends said this, there's a big difference between Christians and Muslims. I think I finally worked it out. The difference is Jesus. For you, he is God. For us, he's just a prophet. He's not Allah. You see, there might be interesting, uh, useful things to learn from other religions. But if we look in the Bible, fundamentally, only Jesus is the truth. That was huge for me when I first discovered that Jesus was the truth. I was studying all different kinds of philosophies back in 2014. It was game-changing that I didn't have to be confused anymore. In Jesus, I had the key. And I could have peace because I knew that he was the way to get to heaven. He is the way, the truth, and the life. I, had, I knew I had the key to where I belong. I knew that Jesus hadn't abandoned me because he'd given me himself to lead me into his home, his family home, the Father's house. So that's the second thing. Jesus gives us the key. The third thing is he gives us the family spirit. Now, I wonder if you noticed a problem with what I just said. Um, the problem is, if Jesus is the key to get us into the family home, where is Jesus? Um, is, he, is there someone sat in the pews here called Jesus? Is he having a coffee at the back? How are we going to get there? That is certainly what the disciples must have been thinking. Jesus has said, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'll take you to the Father's house. But then he's also saying, I'm going, by the way. And we might think, hang on, have we missed the, the bus to the Father's house as the ship sailed? If Jesus is the key, can we not find a way to get the key onto our key ring before he goes? The good news is, there is a way to the Father's house. There is a way to the family house. And actually, it means we couldn't be any closer to Jesus. Look at verse 16. Jesus says, He will ask the Father, 
And he will give the disciples another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The father is going to give an advocate. Um, that's not an avocado. That's an advocate. What is an advocate? Well, it's, it's a helper. Um, it's actually like uh, someone on the cap uh, debt team, someone who's an expert who can help people when they're in trouble. There's someone who encourages you, gets alongside you, helps you out when you really need it. That is the, the spirit that God is sending. So the disciples aren't being abandoned. They're being given an advocate. And who is this advocate? Do you see it there in the start of verse 17? He is the spirit of truth. The family spirit. The spirit of truth. Who is the truth? Jesus. He's just said it. I'm the truth. Here's the spirit of truth. The spirit of me. Jesus. And the spirit came in history. Jesus went away. After this, where was he going? He was going to die on the cross, to take the sins of the world upon himself, to offer a way back to God. That's what Jesus was doing. But then he rose again from the grave, and he came back to his disciples, and he breathed his spirit on them. And then Jesus went away again. He went up, this time for a longer time. He ascended to the Father's right hand in the family home, but did he leave the disciples? No. He sent his spirit. Acts chapter 2 in Pentecost, the spirit broke out globally. Fire fell from heaven. Read this if you've not seen it before. Um, and Peter began to preach, and then people turned to Jesus and received the spirit from all different countries. Jesus had not abandoned them then, and he hasn't abandoned us now. Not everyone knows Jesus. Not everyone has the spirit. Verse 17, the world doesn't know him. But if we believe in Jesus, you know him. Verse 17, for he lives with you and will be in you. Which means that the disciples are definitely not being abandoned. Jesus has just said he's moving in with them. Jesus is going to dwell in his disciples. There's a technical word, indwelling his disciples. Verse 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You won't be left on the doorstep like Harry Potter before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me. And this is amazing. I am in you. Researchers say that 2023 isn't a year of a COVID pandemic, but a year of a loneliness pandemic. And I think all of us have those moments, maybe they're actually quite frequent, when we feel very alone and isolated. It can be really hard. Loneliness is really hard. And actually, the sad reality is, is that people let us down, and there can't be the people we want with us all the time. But isn't it a wonderful comfort, a wonderful help that Jesus is always with us? The advocate is with us forever. Jesus can't be any closer. You are in me and I am in you. That's the family spirit. In the future, we have a place in God's home. But today, there's a place for Jesus 
in our hearts. Forever, we'll stay with Jesus. But for now, he's staying with us. We really couldn't be any closer to Jesus. We've got the family spirit. He hasn't abandoned us. So there's the third thing. We've got the family spirit. We belong in the Father's house, in the family house. We've got the key in Jesus. We've got the family spirit. But then we might ask, what difference does that spirit make? Like practically, yes, it's a comfort, but what difference does that make to my life? Well, some people think the spirit mostly is about kind of um, a sort of fuzzy spiritual feeling or maybe some kind of dramatic experiences and and maybe sometimes that happens for some people but that's not really what it says here what difference does the spirit of jesus make to us well that's our fourth thing the difference is that we're put to work in the family business Uh, now i've got a greek blood in my uh, heritage and uh, therefore I'm conditioned to know that Greek cooking is the best and that's borne out in this film Papadopoulos and Sons. Uh, The film is all about this takeaway in uh, North London uh, which is the best fish and chips in London. Why? Because they're Greek fish and chips and they're from the Papadopoulos and Sons family business. The whole drama of the film is that um, at one point the the two main brothers go off and they do something else and it all goes wrong. And then the the beauty of the story is they reconnect with their roots, with their family spirit and the essence. And they they re-get out the fryers and they cook up the tastiest batter in London and the juiciest fish and the yummiest chips. And they, they have a great time. And once again, Papadopoulos and Sons is the best takeaway in London. That's the family business for Papadopoulos and Sons. What's the family business for us as Christians? Well, it's not fish and chips, but we might summarize it here at least as obedience and mission. Obedience. Obedience sounds pretty boring. I think my grandparents were told, don't drink, smoke, flirt or chew, and don't go out with girls or boys who do. Um, That's obedience for some. Rules. Boring. But for Jesus, obedience is beautiful. And it's beautiful here. It's mentioned in verses 15, verse 21. And look look at verse 23. I know we didn't read that far, but it's so good. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them. And he will come to them. And we will come to them, sorry. And make our home with them. We see the picture of love here. It's a picture of overflowing love and security, knowing that we belong in God's family. That's what obedience is. That's what it means to live for Jesus. It's flowing out of love for God, living for him. As Jesus comes to live in us, we become more like him. And what does that look like practically day to day? Well, when we love each other, we, as Andy said last week, we serve each other. We put ourselves out for each other. We send that message. We go that step further. We stay a little longer. It's also when we say no to sin and those areas of our lives that we'd rather just slip into when we go Jesus' way. It's when we keep fundamentally loving God, even when we're not loving life. It's when it's been just a really hard, rubbish day, and it feels like nothing's changing, but we keep trusting Jesus. That's obedience. And that's the family business that the Spirit puts us to work in. So there's the fish, here's the chips, 
uh, obedience and mission. Verse 22, I know we're going on a bit more, but um, verse 22, another confused disciple asks, Lord, why don't you just intend to, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Like, Jesus, you don't need us. You're so great. I'm, I'm so rubbish. What could I do? Jesus, why don't you take your mission global? Why don't you set up a YouTube channel or go on a tour like Taylor Swift and get yourself on in the cinemas? You don't need me. Why bother giving the disciples the spirit? Well, Jesus says, look, I'm not abandoning you. I have a plan for you. And I have a plan for you in my mission to the world. If you were following along through the verses, you might have noticed that we skipped out verses 12 to 14. It's because they're so mind-blowing that I thought they'd only make sense if we got to them at the end. Look at this, verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works, okay, put to work in the family business. What kind of works are we going to be doing? Well, Jesus says it's the types of works that I have been doing. Wow. What has Jesus been doing? He's been turning water into wine, healing the sick, raising the dead. But then Jesus goes on and says, we're going to do even greater works than what he did. Greater works than Jesus? Looking around the room, how are we going to do greater works than Jesus? Well, think about it for a second. What did Jesus not do? What did Jesus not do? Well, he didn't go global, did he? In the end, he was rejected and crucified, and he only appeared resurrectedly to his disciples. Jesus is putting his disciples to work. He's putting us to work in the family business of mission. Verse 25, the disciples have to get his message down in the Bible, and then we're given that. And verse 31, the world is going to know all about Jesus. And that is a big job. And we might think, why am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? Well, it's good news that we've got the family spirit and we can pray, verses 13 and 14. We can ask in Jesus' name, not for Ferraris, but for help in his mission, for help in taking his message global. That is the prayer in Jesus' name. And practically, what does that look like? Well, there's all sorts of ways that we might share that message of Jesus. And I know lots of us are involved in different ways. But I don't know about you, I've heard the Christmas music in the shops. The easiest time to share Christ is at Christmas. And we've got a few weeks before um, the, the events start happening at church and the carol service and the carol stuff going on down in the estate. Is there one person that we can pray for in Jesus' name? That one person where Jesus, by his spirit, might do an even greater work through us of giving someone the key to the Father's house forever. So there's the fish and chips. It's obedience and missions. That's what it's about in the family business. Jesus hasn't abandoned us. The opposite. We are crucial to his plans in the world. Maybe we feel like Jesus wouldn't want us, but it's the opposite. We're in the family business. Now, there's a lot uh, to, to take in there, um, so let's come back to, as we conclude, uh, to Harry Potter. There the, the little baby was put on Privet Drive, isolated, alone, abandoned, fearful. And the reality is we all feel like that sometimes. We feel like that when people 
have left us behind, and we feel like that when it feels as if Jesus himself has left us behind. Well, maybe there's something today that we can take one of these four reasons. Al, if you can get them up there. One of those that will just remind us that we're not being abandoned. When we're worried about the future, remember we belong in the family home, heaven. When we're not sure, how would we even get to heaven? We've got the key in Jesus. When we just feel we're on our own at the moment, we've got the family spirit. He couldn't be closer, the spirit of truth. And when we think God wouldn't want me, remember, we are crucial to God's plans for the world in the family business. If we trust in Jesus, he will not ever abandon us. Verse 1 again. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, you know the ways that we feel abandoned, we feel left behind, the ways we can feel alone and isolated. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you we have hope in your Father's house in the future. Thank you for the key in Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you would use us as we go out in obedience and mission from here. In Jesus' name, amen.